0: Great, so great to see you all this morning. Um, and um, yeah, we're starting a new series um, in 1 John, Letter of John, um, to, um, it's, a, it's a pretty open letter um, to several communities and it's come down um, through the centuries to us and it's as relevant to us as it was to those who John first wrote it to. And I'm getting stuck straight in and using the first four verses, which are a sort of introduction um, to the epistle. I'm just using that as our introduction to the epistle. We've called the whole series Living and Loving. And today um, we are thinking about the word of life. Now, there is a sort of mystique and a build-up of tension in the start of John's letter in these four verses. And there is, in a similar way, a mystique and a build-up of tension in the beginning of John's Gospel we believe the author is the same. And I want to say and this morning that I, 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 let's not rush past this. I think we often rush past things um, in our hurry to explain and understand. And in so doing, um, we can lose a lot. I want us to reflect on and to sort of probe um, the words of this introduction because uh, they help. that will help us um, to reach into their enormity and to grow, to deepen our knowledge and understanding of God. And the, the more we know and understand God, the deeper we know him, the more we will love him and want to live for him and serve him. So rather than rushing to explain the mystery, I want to draw the mystery out. So bear with me and travel with me in this, please. Um, Try not to drop off. So I'm going to read the first four verses of 1 John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. On Friday, um, Liz and I were in the Cotswolds, and one of our very most favourite areas. We were there with friends and um, we um, had a walk that um, took in a not um, very visited, um, completely uncommercialised um, Roman villa, the remains of. And um, I love um, wandering around um, old places and it sets my imagination going and I sort of like to feel a link with those who live there and, and my friend is just the same as that and we, and we um, had some just great um, talks together together. As we looked up a nearby Iron Age hill and thought about the um, the, the people in the Iron Age who would have watched the Romans building the villa, and um, perhaps talked about raiding and whatever, and um, and it sort of was alive. And at, at one point, um, my friend Andy, he said, "It's just so amazing, isn't it? Look, look at these, look at these old walls. Um, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years old." He said, "He said I can't help this." And he leant down and he rubbed the walls. And he said, I'm in touch with the Romans. <laughs> and, um, and we went and we ate our um, snacks in the dining room where the Romans had their meals. It was amazing. <laughs> when I was a teenager... Um, My dad gave me a stone and um, it was a stone that had been broken open and then sealed up with tape. Uh, So he gave it to me, I held it in my hand and he said that a geological friend of his had given it to him and told him that it was millions of years older than Noah and the flood. And um, it gave it a name. And I haven't really got much of an interest in geology, but it set my imagination going. You know, I held this thing and I heard the story and I looked at it and I thought, that is millions of years old and I'm touching it and I am going back with it through millions of years. That is amazing. And it's in a box somewhere. If I could have found it, I'd have bought it. <laughs> Who knows? Who really knows about the beginning? The origin of the universe and the birth of life. Science is still working on it. Evolution doesn't explain it. You've got to have something to evolve. People groups, religions, have their own stories and myths. And The Hebrew Bible opens with the story given to Moses, which we Christians now own. Understanding it in various ways. In the beginning, God. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And here, as we read verse 1, we can see John's claim and then proclamation that he and his friends have sensory evidence of something that was present at the beginning, something that they've heard. that they've seen, and that they've touched, they've handled. What could it be? John tells us, it's the word of life. The word of life. How do you see and hear and touch the word of life? What is that? For the Hebrews, and if we'd been brought up in a Hebrew family, word doesn't just mean, a meaningful sound it can also be a thing or it can be an event a happening for, for us actually words can be extraordinarily powerful and can become very much like the thing or the action you know the command of a king go The devastating world, word of a general, fire! The panic stricken word of someone in trouble, how? Hopefully it comes running in. Yes, they did have a look as they went past, honestly. <laughs> the psalmist goes further. We heard it. At the beginning, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. He spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. This word of the Lord is an example amazing example of the very profound idea that is contained in the Greek word for word. I think quite a lot of us know this. It's the word that John uses here and in his gospel logos. There's a massive philosophy built around logos. So The sort of idea, if I can simplify it, behind the word logos, word, is that word is the source of everything. That word is the single sort of unifying principle from which the universe took shape and was held together. And John is saying here in his introduction, he's saying just this. And he's saying that he and his friends have physically, he repeats, the touch, handle, see, met with, handled, heard, seen this very word, the word of life, which brought everything into being and holds everything together. And he continues as we go into verse two by saying this word of life appeared. In other words, this word of life took shape at a moment in time. This source of everything, this originating power of the cosmos, this force which holds everything together, this manifestation of God who is one yet exists in community as Father, Word and Spirit appeared. The Word, says John in his Gospel, became flesh, the Son of God, God with us. Why, verse three? What does this do? For John, and for us, what does it mean? It means everything. And as Jesus follows, it means everything to us. And those who are not Jesus followers, it can mean everything to us. God's first creation, spoken into being, was spoilt by sin. And I sort of think that you can almost define sin by whatever causes disorder. The opposite of what God brought into being by his word. Sin is whatever causes disorder. Whatever causes disharmony. Whatever causes the breakdown of relationships, human relationships, as well as relationship with God. So, what does it mean that the Word of Life came into this broken world? It means that He came to sort of recreate. To restore everything to its original harmony and glory. God is speaking his word for the second time into the world. And this is the message that John is proclaiming and explaining in his letter. And that we're going to explore over the next two or three months. It's wonderful. It's amazing news of God's coming new age that bursts into the present disordered and often chaotic age. Disordered and chaotic it was for John. We sometimes talk as if The chaos and disorder is new. You know, the good old days weren't like this. Absolute nonsense. The present age has always, because of sin, been chaotic at times. Disordered. Malfunctioning. People out of relationship with each other and out of relationship with God. Conflict. War. But this wonderful news of God's intervention and of his coming new age bursts into this disordered, chaotic age. It's about. The birth of a new community of people. A community that spans time and space. A hugely diverse family. From every nation of the world. With all sorts of backgrounds and mess. Brought together and being shaped by the word of life. It's a community that at its best enjoys a living, vibrant relationship, John says, with the father and his son, Jesus Christ. I think that we have and taste something of this in Glendale. I think the word from the um, team that have been with us um, substantiates that. And we taste and experience something of this with the wider Christian community in Newbury and Thatcham. And at its best, it's the most wonderful Wonderful thing. People of so many different backgrounds, nationalities, um, you know, faiths, morals, messy lives, coming together in a new community. And together, as we stand in our sort of quite chaotic times when you read the newspaper and listen to the news, together, we share this hope of the new age to come. Tom Wright translates eternal life as God's new age to come. We also pray. For a realisation of this now. Jesus taught us to. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we straddle. The present. And the future. As the people of God. And our hope. Is not based on nothing. It's based On historical events, the incarnation, God with us. In Jesus Christ, God came to us in human form. The word was made flesh. He lived a perfect life. He died our death on the cross. And was raised on the third day. Showing that the days of the present age are numbered. God's new age has begun. God's kingdom is now. And not yet. At the same time. So what do we take away? This is what I think we take away. We take away. A challenge again. To be committed. To growing in our relationship with God. And the challenge And commitment to growing our relationship with each other in this present age as Jesus followers, the people of God, to supporting each other through thick and thin, to lifting each other up when we've fallen down, (coughs) to practicing the big five that Steve referred to. It's about living. And loving. It's about living together in the present with all its challenges and problems. And supporting each other. Loving each other. Our eyes fixed on Jesus and the certain hope of the new age to come. Free from the evils of the present. And that's what we're going to be looking at with the help of John over the next few weeks. As we see how his letter develops this theme. And I'm going to finish by reading a passage in Colossians, which is sort of Paul's take on this. And I'm going to ask Pete and Joe if they'll come up. Because we're going to be coming to communion and um, we'll sing um, a song that leads us into that um, as Steve comes back to take over. So I'm going to read from... Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. The sun is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The Word. And he is the head of the body, the church. and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, sin that destroys relationships. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body that has been seen, heard and handled through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm. And do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard. And that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. And of which I, call have become a servant.